We depend largely on the public to help us solve crime. On May 10, 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 went missing in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. In season three of The Lost Boys of Hannibal, Boots on the Ground, we discover new information and details into the boys' disappearance. These are boys, little boys. You don't know what happened. You should try to find out what happened. Nothing should deter you from that. So, yeah, it angers me a little bit. When the deputy mentions these trees would have been here 51 years ago, that's when I immediately knew who we were looking for. Join us as we journey into Hannibal's biggest mystery to find the truth about what happened to Billy, Joey, and Craig. Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie, and with me as always in the studio today, Chris. Chris, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Is it weird for you? A little bit. I, I haven't even been to your new house yet. Oh, you haven't? No, it's the first time. It's so much safer. It's safer. <laughs> I don't have to delete those gunshots in the backgrounds anymore. <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, um, so yeah, here we go. We're starting the episodes off correctly by giggling <laughs> Which, yeah, right for all our uh, that. lovers i love that when we look at reviews chris it's either five star or one star yeah and i was listening to joe rogan recently and he talks about like that's true hate because <laughs> <laughs> you can't find the good in it or all you can find is the good in it, yeah right yeah. so that's kind of what um we're going to be doing and it has been a while um since we've brought you some interesting news but this is another one that is a big reveal for us yeah. Well, and it's funny too, and I, I had some other people mention to me uh, since our last episode is that uh, they were like, man, that, that felt like last week was a big reveal. You guys kind of just walked over a little bit. It wasn't really, uh, it was, didn't make it a big deal as it could have been. I was like, yeah, it was I uh, Frankie. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that's coming with the documentary too, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's actually filmed footage. Um, we have received word from John Wingate on what we did. Hmm. Um, which is interesting. Didn't didn't expect him to um, be talking about it because of his uh, another book he's putting out that I'm not going to put any press to. Um, it has nothing to do with the Lost yeah. Boys, which is great. I think he he's learned his lesson. Um, but yeah, he he did say that we were uh, digging in the wrong spot, and that the boys are out there, and that he knows that John Wayne Gacy for a fact killed them. Um, and this is his story, and he's sticking with it. And then he proceeded to block that person after answering all the questions. And she did a really good job of kind of grilling him um, as to, like, do you listen to the podcast? Do you know where they were? And so just just to kind of recap that a little bit, we did about a football field size of a dig with cadaver ducks, with um, scientists, with forensic anthropologists um, in the area. Geologist. A geologist. Um, all the ist were there mm-hmm. um, because once again we're a podcast that's not our specialty. Yeah. So what we do is we bring out the experts, and so the experts went out there with the sheriff's department of Ross County, Brad Stinson, um, our good friend. Uh, is he is he sergeant now, Flynn? Ooh, I don't know. I think he maybe gotten. I know they've been really busy, but um, Flynn, 
Um, a bunch of other guys from the Rawls County Sheriff's were with us and supported it each and every way they possibly could to find closure uh, for the family that had this belief that they might have been just miles from Denise's house. And of course, that is just not true. Yeah. Um, I think the Hogue family has closure in knowing that we did all we could. Um, so yes, the cement company is not a, a, a culprit mm-hmm. in this. But once again, when you speculate and you're able to solve certain things and you're trying to get out there with the team, and that's what this entire year has been about, boots on the ground. But speaking of those boots well, on the ground. Actually, before we go into that, I want you to dig into that a little bit, what John said and John saying that we didn't dig in the right spot. He's using his information based off of uh, the mediums off the mediums mm-hmm. and i remember there was a day we had somebody out there yes it was the main medium we used <laughs> <laughs> and um and i'm not gonna mention her name we don't have paperwork back from her but she is still on our case she's actually working with us um you know and and she'll be the first one to tell you that you know and, and Brittany too but me and Brittany buckwalter did a dave glover show recently um, and you know, they'll be the first to tell you that it's not an exact science. If it was, it'd be a lot easier, um, for the world to solve crime. What they do is there's these snapshots and there's these images and they see certain things and then they're supposed to like piece it together like puzzle pieces. So wherever you stand with it, I mean, the two main mediums and the third medium that are all talked about in soul speak are on our team. One of the mediums is actually family, um, to the hoags. So, I don't know what he's talking about, but he once again is backpedaling. But yes, we use the mediums from his book, found the location based on his book um, with the mediums that he used in, once again, the book (laughs) and came up with nothing. In fact, the area that was designated for the boys, um, according to our four, count them, four forensic anthropologists, all agreed with one another and said, um, this is sterile soil which means it's never been disturbed since the earth was formed. Mm-hmm. So dinosaurs didn't even poop there, No, Chris. Um, so Wingate, you did a great job of picking an area of soil in Missouri that no one's ever messed with before. You picked a good area of soil, though, that also was hard for anybody to get to in general. <laughs> exactly. Like private property, yeah. a major entity. Yeah. And I can't thank the... Um, the cement company enough for doing what they did. Yeah. I mean, they were awesome. They used all the guys there in the union. Um, Tara Otten, actually, who yeah. led this entire pretty much excavation from the beginning uh, when it really happened originally. So I hope we're not talking too much about ourselves, Chris, on this podcast because mm-hmm. I keep thinking that we're talking a lot about people um, <laughs> that have helped us along the way. But I want to yeah. make sure that you know credit is 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 given to not only Tara Otten's family but her dad who helped out and a bunch of other excavators that were there for us that really helped in putting putting a re- putting it at rest or maybe solving it like it was it that easy and of course in the back of our heads we were always like this just can't be this easy yeah um yeah i i think that one of the things that's interesting about this too is that going back to Tara we always had that in the back of our mind with John's book and always thinking, okay, maybe that's a spot we need to check out sometime. But we always kind of had that as a back burner thing until 
Tara came to us. And I don't think we really explained that well in the last episode. Tara came to us to talk mm-hmm. to us and said, hey, something happened back a couple of years ago at this location after this book came out. And then it kind of got taken to the wayside. And then obviously you had changes in the Rawls County Sheriff's Department. That made things different, too, uh, with an election change and all that. And so it kind of got put to the back burner for them as well. And so Tara was a very critical part in us being where we got to with that uh, with that dig. It was a scary start um, to the year. I think we had mentioned a bunch of times when we were doing season three, we'd always thought, man, you know, where do we go from here? We were one of these podcasts that were not just telling stories, but actually actively trying to solve stuff with the family members. And you just don't, you don't come across that a lot. And like I said, I mean, none of us really went to school for professional audio podcasting. Um, we have a story and we want to tell it and, you know, we learn the software as we go. And I think our episodes have gotten better. They've gotten brighter. And also, I mean, they, they're inconsistent as far as length. Sometimes they go longer. Sometimes they go shorter. Our inconsistency this year has been the gap between episodes. So, but there's a reason for that. There is. Yeah. And you're, you're going to get into that. (laughs) I want to do read uh, some of these reviews that we've been getting and, We've crossed the threshold of over 250 ratings. We're standing at 4.8. Once again, going back to that, Joe Rogan, either love us or you hate us, and that's great. That's how that's how podcasts should be, in my opinion. I'm not I'm not resignating too much stock on the words of people that just want to be negative. Um, so the one that was just recently was really cool was November 2nd. It's a new lost. New Lost Boys fan. Uh, in my research about the Lemp family of St. Louis, I came across the Lost Boys of Hannibal and this podcast. So glad I did. Thanks for bringing it to us, catching up with a marathon of episodes and sharing with my friends and my kids. And that's uh, Jay Leno. So, Jay Leno. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but <laughs> So, yeah, that's a great review. It makes me smile because that's our first film that's going to release at some point next year or maybe Mm -hmm. 2023. I don't know. Um, COVID has put all the movies, as you know, Chris, on, on the different stacks. So yeah, we, we do have a tendency to talk a little bit about film here because it's the company that produces us is shift films and I'm a partner in that. And so it's been a tough year. I mean, if you look at Indiana Jones, if you look at Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones is now delayed for another year and a half because Harrison Ford broke his shoulder. Um, So it's just, (laughs) it's, it's a constant reoccurring theme, but Love the Lemp family, would talk to anybody about it. We know so much about it, but yeah, this is focused here. And so we have another one here, loving every minute. Midwest gal here, been to Hannibal many times. I knew the story, but none of the details. This is fantastic, and I'm so into the search. I wish it could move faster because (laughs) I'm tense just waiting for more. Keep it coming, guys. Keep deep diving. We'll find answers. I just know it. And I love the will part because that's what it's about, right? It's about the community that we've built. It's us doing this together. It's not just me and Chris out there alone. Like I said, we work hand in hand with the family. Our episodes are listened to for the, from the family first before we release anything. So they're very much embedded into our podcast here. And hopefully, a couple week and in the upcoming weeks, we will actually have to hear from Denise and Candice on everything that we've been doing this year. And so finally, um, I do want to read this one too from October eighth. Um, the last one was by, um, cats and dogs, 36. Um, and this one is by Bundy, 1967. Interesting. I'm from Hannibal. So I know some of the names and people you mentioned. Uh, Mrs. Kohler was my second grade teacher in the early seventies. 
I've listened to the first two episodes. I sometimes have trouble hearing Frankie. It seems like he's not close enough to his mic. Keep up the good work. <laughs> it has gotten better as we've yeah. gotten nice sponsors now. So it's I'm, it's I'm, fun that you have. Uh, it's anytime you should. It's it's like a TV show. It's like The Office. You know The Office. The first season of The Office is not that great, but it no. gets really good later right. on. And it's the same way in podcasts. Everybody's trying to get their feel. So if you're ever going to experiment in a new podcast, give it a few episodes because you know what we all sound horrible the first few episodes they're like whoa wait that doesn't work let's make it better yeah so we can constantly evolve it into into things that um you know we 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 believe is what the audience and and from our numbers and from our statistics i mean we definitely are doing the job that we're supposed to be doing um and we thank you we can't thank you enough we're over two hundred thousand episodes at this point but i do want to read something download sorry episodes yeah that's a lot of episodes man. nope not there yet probably never will be there (laughs) hopefully we'll have it solved by then um, so I do want to read um, something from another one is our one stars and our five stars because we are transparent with the audience. And and if there's feedback that can be had from a negative comment, then we want to kind of pull it out. And this one is basically wait eight weeks, then listen to them spend 90% of the episode again on themselves. Um, we're doing the actual legwork on the ground. Yeah. Right. It's the funding that we're doing by ourselves. So it's a little bit about us because we're there with anthropologists digging through stuff. So I just want to make sure the first part is, is made clear. This podcast lost its relevance months ago. They had a great premise and excellent material for the first season or so. Take a listen to the latest. Ask yourself every minute or so. How is this about the boys? Hmm. It isn't. So, um, Corbin Braverton, if you would like to explain that further, our uh, info well, email would be great. You can reach me directly at shiftfilms at hello at shiftfilms.net because I'd love to talk more about how our episodes are not you know, pertaining to that certain part of the audience. Because if there are other people that are so brazen to have comments like that, great. Give us that feedback because I'm trying to figure out what 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 episode we did where it was about lions and tigers let me let me do this in two parts here the first part is frankie does see these uh these responses every once in a while he, he sent me one while i was on another uh event for another podcast that i do and i replied back to him with taylor swift shake it off so that was that's the first part <laughs> i wanted to get out there uh, the second part is i kind of want to kind of want to dig into that just for a second the first season and I, I, I can feel this already. This this person is one of those people that loves Crime Junkie. I bet you they listen to Crime or, Junkie. Or True Crime Garage. Yeah, because yeah. It, it's about the story, and it's telling you the background story. And that's the difference between us and another podcast like one of those, is that we already told you the story. I've said, I think I've already said this on the podcast is that I don't, I don't have any more information from a research standpoint to give you. Now we've got to make that transition to getting on the ground and trying to, to go from, I, I said it before is like, we were looking at the past. Now we're looking at the future and that's what we're looking at now because there's nothing left in the past for us, you mm-hmm. know, except maybe, maybe an interview at the end of the season. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit later yeah, on. There is some cool stuff. Let's leave off on a high note here. It's a really short one. The one, this one came a day before the, the negative one star review. Um, <laughs> the hosts are passionately interested in solving the murder. What do you know Ooh. that we don't? <laughs> well-researched and delivered appropriately so thank you um i I don't like these little names it's like eric 171 but um you know the the point of that is this like this is a it's a local hometown podcast i mean i'm in st louis 
I'm, I'm in St. Charles, actually, and Chris is about an hour and 20 from me. He's in Louisiana. So we're sitting here in Missouri. And like I said, we don't have the big sponsors. We have some great sponsors like Shore that came through for us when we basically emailed them and said, hey, we're doing this, this, and this. And they gave us an amazing discount. And so now we're using these like 7M, 7B mics, and we had a great, awesome retail discount on them. And that's kind of how we're doing it. But we try not to cloud our airwaves up with a lot of spots and a lot of commercials. That might be happening soon, though. I haven't told Chris this, but <laughs> there has been an active interest in people wanting to sponsor us in, in the work that we're doing. Um, one of those such sponsors is actually Black Rifle Coffee. They've sent us kilos of coffee, Blackbeard's Brew, and now Freedom Fuel. So if you're interested... Which I still haven't got any. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you yours today. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be going to give... We're going to be doing a giveaway. Me. Doing a giveaway of Blackbeard's Brew, which is amazing. Um, and so we're going to have a little... Instagram post with Facebook post once I'm not banned anymore. So <laughs> just just don't email us right now. Just don't email us right now. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what is going on. We believe um, one of our cyber guys over at Shift Films thinks that somebody tried to hack into the Lost Boys of Hannibal and try to get into our episodes or something. And that caused Google to respond negatively to our email account saying that something is going on. And so it's been locked out. So if you need to get a hold of us, email us at hello at shiftfilms.net. Um, and then that will transfer over until we get it fixed up. We will give you an update soon because it looks like we have more of a path forward, Chris, and why we've been waiting all these weeks. You can have mm. this nice big reveal. So um, reason why this episode is come, called Coming Out of the Darkness is because we do have some light, right, to shed. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, without uh, further ado. Yeah. So we last episode, we had a big reveal about going to the Continental Cement location. This week, we have another huge reveal in... Um, it's it's huge because nobody knows about this one. Uh, and it's huge because, you know, we talked about last time where Continental kind of got kind of got put out to the public and then there was the rumor mill going on. Well, what we did this time around, nobody knew about. That's right. <laughs> Which was great. Uh, so we're going to start from the beginning. Uh, it's, again, we've always been on two paths. And Frankie's mentioned this multiple times. Frankie's been on the true crime path. I've been on the, the scientific in the caves kind of path. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically enough, while the Continental Cement stuff is going on with the true crime path, I was also on the the... Uh, other path, the scientific path. Correct. So with this all happening, we get a phone call from a, a landowner and the landowner says, Hey, I, I have this place uh, on my land and there's a hole. And I don't know if it's a, just a, a hole or if there goes to a cave or what it is, but it goes down pretty far. And do you want to come check it out? And so we were like, yeah, why not? We'll come check it yeah, out. So during the winter time, he would see smoke mm -hmm. coming steam. from steam. Yeah. Coming from this, this hole. Yeah. So we came out and checked it out. Uh, we took a preliminary glance at it, but of course, uh, everybody's favorite geologist, Julie angel was in the loop about what was going on. She was very excited about, uh, what it could potentially be. And so we went out, Frankie and I went out, took a look at it. We're like, well, this is interesting because it was about a 15 foot drop down. You couldn't see what was going on down below. So about a week later, and I would say, when was this? June, July? Yeah, it was hot. Somewhere? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very hot. It was high. spring. It was uh, actually yeah. spring. Uh, but, uh, so about a week later, we brought Julie in and uh, also uh, Mark, who we've talked about mm -hmm. before. Uh, they are both uh, geologists, or actually, uh, Julie, of course, is a geologist. Both of them are cavers. Both of them work for universities or colleges. And uh, so we had them come in, and uh, Mark was uh, brave enough to go into the hole. And it was a 15-foot drop. And when he got down there into this hole... All of a sudden, he says, hey, it shoots off to a 45-degree angle down. 
So after about a half an hour of digging or so, uh, Mark looks up and yells up at us and he says, I'm going to go see where this goes. And he disappears for an hour Mm -hmm. and we don't hear from him. And so to, to back that up just a little bit, Chris, to, to have the access to be where we are. Okay. I just want to, I want to be a real stickler when it came to one of our episodes that dealt with the documentary relentless Mm -hmm. doing this on your own, even if it's your property is extremely dangerous. We cannot express that enough um, when we're doing anything with the crime pass. If you find bones, don't dig them up, right? Right. You need the police because (laughs) none of that matters anymore because they need a chain of custody. Like so with this type of caving stuff, a lot of stuff that you will see in these caves has to stay in the cave. Mm -hmm. That's one of the lessons that I learned. So um, it started with the property owner. Mm -hmm. Then Mark and Julie came out. Mark's courageous julie's even more courageous you are well actually, let's not get yeah, to that yet. all right we're so. not there yet <laughs> uh i'll finish the story but i know where you're going with that uh so mark goes down he comes back out about 45 minutes to an hour later mark says to us uh there is a whole lot of cave his exact words were there's a whole lot of cave down here and we went oh boy what do we got ourselves into here so that was about the end of it uh for that investigation mm-hmm. or that that uh thing and so we knew there was a lot more to go and in the meantime where you were heading with this uh, is that this location we're not going to give you an exact location but we will tell you that uh, this location is very very close to Lover's Leap and probably within I would say a football field or maybe a football field and a half of the last known location of our three boys at 5.15pm on Lover's Leap so very close to also where the Mary Jo Powell pointed to yes yes so exactly eyewitness testimony 1967 mm-hmm. points to this location so we find a cave and we're not sure what kind of cave this is it we can't find any real proof uh, uh mark can't find any real proof down there of what exactly it is uh, so we end up um having another adventure down there but before we get to that we have a situation where this property is is in a unique location in that the world of technology today with uh, these things called GIS, which pretty much is, is, is a satellite image, but it also shows like uh, property lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, when we have uh, people that are helping us out, we want to make sure that it's legit and that, that nobody's going to fear for getting in trouble or trespassing or something like that. So we double checked the, the paperwork and checked it out and come to find out it kind of looked like it wasn't on the private landowner's property anymore. Instead, it looked like it was actually on MoDOT right away. Mm-hmm. So, can you explain a little bit to our audience, though, what the right of way? Because I didn't understand what that was either. Um, so what does that actually mean, that your property runs on this land, that you're going to mow the grass, you can plant a garden yeah. there, but it actually doesn't belong to you? Right. And it's it's a lot. The simplest way to say it is that it is MoDOT's property. Uh, so typically, you got, of course, you're going down any sort of inner or highway, say Highway 79, because that's the one that we're, we're talking about. They own the road, but also they own areas outside that area. So they may own like 30, 40 feet off to the edge and nobody there actually have ownership. Now, and like you were saying that some people, they mow the grass, they take care of the property because, you know, they think either it's part of their property or 
it's just making it look nice. You know, they know it's MoDOT property. But in this situation, uh, the owner believed it was his property, but after doing some research, finding out it was MoDOT's property. So we wanted to make sure we were transparent. And the first thing we did was we contacted Julie and I uh, contacted MoDOT and talked with a person that we've brought up before on this podcast, Maurice Ellison. She is uh, the public relations person for the Northeast District. And uh, we had a meeting with her, told her exactly what was happening. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it kind of went from there. And she's like the perfect PR person too. She's she's, she's very great. fun. She's very happy. I actually we talked about mushrooms when I met her, and when I was in Sacramento, California, <laughs> I was actually able to order the um, hen of the woods, the actual mushroom that's in Missouri. I was able to eat in California. Oh, wow. so, so it's a little kind of a circle back, but I, I finally she's like, "You're gonna love them," and I did. It was really actually I ate them in Terrytown, New York, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. But yes, funny. so yeah, I just wanted to point that out there. She's a, she's a, quite the mushroom excavator as well. So, Entre- no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah that, anyway, but so, so we had a conversation with her and uh, ended up that we needed to do some other stuff. In the meantime, though, we did have another uh, go in the cave, and this is where you were preluding to just a few minutes ago. And yes. It was Mark and Julie. And there was some itself. drama, though, because I want people to expect that from the documentary. Yeah. There was a lot of drama when Chris, dis- when me and Chris, he- Chris gave me a call mm-hmm. and he said, what should we do? This is, this is MoDOT. I'm really thinking and leaning that we have to do this the right way. And this is kind of what I was setting up earlier is that you have to do it the right way because if you go down there, you're now trespassing. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's, that's a, they can press charges. So, um, one of the things we wanted to do is make sure that the property owner was safe. Mm-hmm. And that was our intention was to be safe and making sure that he was protected and, and, and what he had was, and that became, just a very large string of drama that we had to face that's actually in the documentary that you will see. We're not going to reveal it here because we want to get to the point with you guys. And I just want to make sure and check in with Corbin that we're not talking about ourselves. Okay, cool. We're still talking about (laughs) what we're doing. Um, So yeah, Chris, I just wanted to make sure that we we really, you know, insinuate the fact that, you know, it's fun to be Goonies, right? Mm -hmm. It's fun to dig up treasure but you have to make sure that where you're digging is where you're allowed to dig and so that is why this you know type of interesting event started happening so in the midst of of your your second time down there i'm here i'm I'm trying to film yes i'm told i can't film i'm told i can't do any of these things (laughs) it's my property and and so it's just this crazy thing so i ended up did i ended up filming because modot's like yeah no problem so that was the beauty (laughs) that's why you what you follow the rules right yeah so great job you um i'll let you talk sorry no 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 you're fine and i'll add on to that Uh, that's part of the reason part of the thing we've always done we did that with continental cement property we did this with this location that we're talking about today is that we always want to be transparent because where our thoughts were were that we don't want anybody getting hurt and Frankie and I do not want to have that on our conscience if Mm-mm. somebody gets killed or gets caught in a cave, it gets trapped, it gets lost, so on and so forth. So our utmost importance, it didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter if we were involved, if we weren't involved. We just wanted to make sure that everybody was safe in the process. Yes. That was our ultimate goal because we didn't want to have another lost person. Uh, yeah. that's also, that that would be very contradictory of what we're trying to do here. <laughs> right. uh, and we carry liability insurance. Yeah. And my liability insurance guy was like, you're doing what? <laughs> <laughs> 
so we did make a second trip down there uh and i may get my mix up a little bit on this but uh our second trip with julie and uh, mark we we all went down that time we did a lot of exploring a ton of exploring me we'll probably have one of those videos posted uh we do have uh, i did take a gopro down with me and i actually went down and uh, became a caver Mm-hmm. <laughs> a very amateur caver. You said we went down. Yeah, I well, yeah, did no, not. You did not. Nope. <laughs> I saw the hole and said, nope. So, and just to give you a visual image too, again, this is a 15-foot drop straight down. You have to climb a ladder straight down. And then when you get down there, the hole that you get into is probably about, uh, I don't know, 30 inches tall and maybe about three feet wide. But you are going down at a 45-degree angle, sliding down mud, and then you enter into this cavern, this cave passage, and what we called Main Street, which you could not see the end of that passage. Uh, but we saw a lot of neat things. We did go do a lot of adventuring, a lot of exploring. Mark, uh, is he will di- he will crawl into any hole. If he can fit his head into it, he will crawl into that hole. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's why we bring Mark yeah. out. Yeah, uh, so Mark did a lot of exploring. We didn't find very much. We did find a couple of unique things. We found a old um, starter fluid can. We found a old, uh, very like a 1990s two liter bottle of Pepsi, an empty bottle, a uh, plastic bottle. But uh, we kind of got to the assumption, especially with the way that the dirt is, and man, there's just so much we could talk about. Uh, but the way that the, the silt is on that is that evidently, probably during flood of 93, that water, and we talked about this with Julie, is that when you're in those cave systems, water will get sucked up. So the water table within those hills actually is higher than what it is when flood of 93 levels at. Yeah. Uh, so there's an l- indication that there's water moving around in those caves when there's flooding going on. Uh, so it could suggest that those different bottles and, and cans were somehow sucked into the cave or sucked in by a passage. So, But there was no evidence whatsoever of any human recent human activity however we were able to find some markers uh, when we did our investigation the first time and there was some 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 actually by markers it was um it was nails with little plastic on the end of them that were shoved into the wall was suggesting that somebody was down there doing something uh but that was really as much as we could get to And, and honestly we spent probably about seven hours down there that day and we couldn't even find the end of that cave uh we found some really crazy stuff the cave itself i mean butts up pretty much right up to lover's leap cutout area it's pretty crazy but we weren't sure we thought did we just discover a brand new cave yeah Uh, what what's going on here but um kind of moving along the story that once MoDoc got involved, it also got other entities involved as well, such as the Missouri Geological Survey, uh, also some different caving organizations that were within the area. Uh, so it became a little bit more of an expanded perspective. Also, I will give a shout out to uh, the um, the caving, the state cavers, uh, the Speleological Society. Did you hear that? So it's like it just runs. It's like I don't even need it. So anymore. once again, for those listening to the first season, which everybody <laughs> loves, um, when when Chris tried to say Speleological, this is the evolution guys we're we're teaching him words 
<laughs> Words have been learnt. Yeah. So that's the Missouri Speleological Society uh, that was also involved in helping us out. So we got Moda involved. I will. Frankie wasn't as involved as I was. I kind of took the reins of it. We had tons of Zoom meetings with MoDOT employees. I met MoDOT officials that I didn't know existed, uh, and more so since. Um, we've been actively involved. But anyway, the next investigation, the next time we were out there, this was our third time out there, uh, it was with MoDOT and with some different cavers. And the goal of this system was to say, okay, or this adventure was, what is this? Is this a new cave or is this something else? So uh, with that adventure, we came across some additional information from back in the day from some of the cavers that were there in 67 that could give us a suggestion of maybe what the Lost Boys Cave looks like, uh, some crude drawings and things like that. So they took those drawings and were able to go to in there. And sure enough, they found out that we were in the Lost Boys Cave. And and that's just, um, th- there was a moment there, I think in the second time, where you got into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> oh, I didn't bring that up, did I? <laughs> no, and it, I think it's important <laughs> that people realize how dangerous it is. Yeah. And you're down there, thank God. Um, because I think at, at one point, somebody wanted to, get, I think it was a property owner, somebody, somebody just wanted to go with two people. And, and Julie was, because Julie has been certified in cave rescue. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you don't do is you want to go with at least a good amount of people so you have you have these halfway points and i don't know how she said it but triangular like you have a stop here an anchor here and an anchor here so yeah. you know exactly where to get back to right because the cave starts to look i wasn't down there so i can't speak to it but the cave starts to look the same after oh yeah a while. and it you does. start you know and, it, and it's you shut the you did a lights out test too with julie oh you? yeah you couldn't see your hand your face or anything we, we were sitting down there waiting for everybody else to get down there it's just julie and myself and i was like i wonder how bad it actually is so we turned our lights off and you can't see anything yeah. but i do want to go back you let's talk about that a little bit so this cave system in the the structure and design of it if you've been to a mammoth cave mark twain cave it's passageways you can walk through you don't have to you don't have to crawl or anything like that that's not the case with this cave it's different we've talked about murphy's cave before murphy's cave at the best has 30 or 40 inch clearances you're crawling everywhere in murphy's cave that is not the case for this cave this cave when you walk in you have a silt floor and you can look up about 15 feet above you before you see a ceiling. Now, that's great. You got plenty of height clearance. The problem is the width. And with the width is that you could have areas that are, I don't know, three feet wide, four feet wide, decent to get two people to walk around pretty easily. But then you have sections that start slimming in. And that's where we're getting at with the, what happened in my situation. Again, talking about Main Street. Main Street is just this long corridor. It's, it's, it's a specifically straight corridor. It just goes straight down the path. You can't see the end. We try. We got down as far as we could. We still couldn't see the end. So we don't know how far that is down still. Um, but what you can do is that areas that you can walk for a good part, but there's a good portion about 20 feet that's real narrow. Mark uh, was able to traverse through it, traverse through it, but he's a little bit skinnier than I am <laughs> and yeah. he's used to this. But anyway, we are getting ready to leave and, uh, there's about, you have two options. You can take main street, walk this 20 foot distance. That's kind of narrow and get there. Or you have to take a 45 minute detour around. And I was tired and I'm like, I want to give this a shot. I'm going to, if Mark made it through, I, I should be able to make it through. So I'm there. Uh, another person's probably about 
40 feet away from me or so down the main street corridor. So I'm starting to crawl through, crawl through. I got a helmet on. Uh, then all of a sudden I start having to go farther and farther down. I'm on my side because that's the only way I'm fitting in there is through my side and crawling. And then all of a sudden I can't move. I, I, I literally got stuck. And so this is where my moment of, Oh no, what the heck? I'm 40 feet away from somebody. I can't move. And I started to hyperventilate, like started freaking out. Yeah. Uh, then I was like, okay, Chris, calm down, calm down because I got into this. I can get back out. Right. <laughs> and so then what I did was I just started really squeeze like, you know, like squirming my way backwards back through it. And luckily I got back out, but there was a moment where I was like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can't move. I was yelling it. I was really nervous. It was, it was an intense moment. Yeah. And it just goes to show you within like seconds, you're, you're in trouble. And it, like, mm-hmm. once again, if you're down there by yourself, you find this hole and you did something like that and yep. nobody's around, nobody knows you're down there. Yep. You're done. Yeah. There's a, a great book. By, uh, I don't remember who the author is, but I, I highly recommend it because it's definitely going to be coming into play in the next few months. It's called trapped. It's a, by a guy named about a guy named Floyd Collins. And, uh, it's a guy who got trapped in a cave, uh, down by a, a mammoth cave down in Kentucky. And, uh, it's a great story. I highly recommend it. it's available on audible as well. Maybe we'll put a link to it on I'm our actually thing. writing it down right yeah. now so we can, cause we want to give it as much um, help to other people too that have podcasts out there. I mean, yeah. we believe in and that are doing some good work as well. Yeah. So I will put that down there so you guys could just look in the in the show notes and, and find trapped. Um, I can't listen to stuff like that, man. Man, I'm just like imagine being <laughs> underwater with that stuff. I'm like, no, oh, man. Yeah. Like, mm, nope, I don't scuba dive either. Nope, not gonna do it. Yeah. Looks great. Show it's, me the footage. It's a it's a it's a crazy story. Highly recommend it. Uh, but anyway, so luckily was able had to take that forty five minute walk all the way around to get back out. Was it was able such to get a nice out. walk. Wasn't yeah. Oh my that. gosh. <laughs> and it was funny because I didn't go as far as Julia and Mark did, but I was exhausted. I was so exhausted from walking around down there. And it's a nice sixty seven degrees down there, I believe. Uh, and it's just amazing. But again, you have, so just to give you a kind of a visual input, you have main street, which is just a straight run, but then about every 15 feet or so you have these, uh, intersections and there are cave passages that shoot left and right from main street. And about every 20 feet, it happens. Now, some of them are very small. It's hard to get through. You can only get 20 feet or so. And that's about it. Some of them just go and they just keep going. Uh, we've actually, have some indications but we don't know for sure but there's a possibility that one of those goes underneath highway 79 Uh, so that leads us into a whole nother pathway of how we're going to get to across the road now to check that area out Uh, so anyway that's where we're at and so i guess what we want to say is the reason why we haven't told you about this is because of the safety aspect we didn't want anybody to be like, oh, there's a hole I can go get into. I'm going to go check it out. Well, that's because it wasn't secured at the time. Yes. Uh, MoDOT has since then secured the location. It is not accessible. Uh, we can still get into it. It hasn't been sealed, but it is not accessible. It is locked. It's under a huge heavy thing that it's going to take 20 people to move. Yeah. Uh, so it's not something that's easily uh, movable. And so that's why now after MoDOT's blessing, we're able to let you know what happened. Right. And I should just let you guys know that you know, even if you send us the kindest, um, even cookies, because cookies are kind of like my thing, but we are not going to reveal that in a direct message. We're, we we have sworn 
Um, and the reason why we're allowed to reveal it today is because we've gotten permission mm-hmm. from ODOT to release this episode. Because once again, we're following that chain of custody, the chain of command that, that's helping us in this search for the boys. At the same time, MoDOT looks at this as possible clues, possible new mapping techniques, tools. They can bring their people down there. And they've brought in so many adventurous person. I mean, Miss Mud came down. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. Yeah. She was so cool. I got a great interview with her and her love for bats. And she was telling me all about bats. So <laughs> Former FFA advisor was there as yes. well when we yes. went to our next investigation. They have small world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was our fourth one where we had yeah. a bunch. Of the, that's when the we found out that it was the Lost Boys Cave. Uh, I do want to point out one thing is that uh, we're it's not over. And even though we said we're not going to reveal the exact location, it will be revealed eventually mm-hmm. because uh, what's going to be happening, and it's sometime next, the beginning of next year, there's going to be a full-scale remapping of this cave. And it's a two-parter. And we've talked, I've talked with Marisa about this, is that um, we're doing it for, first of all, the historical standpoint because we want to make sure that nothing was missed. And this is coming from ODOT. Uh, but the second part of it is that they want to also make sure that there's no structural issues in the future because mm-hmm. this location of this cave could potentially have impact to the infrastructure of the road down down you know it could be could be in five years it could be in 500 years but it could have some potential impact so there's a dual purpose of of having this but by the beginning sometime the beginning of next year we will have a full map of this cave system so i mean and it's once again, <laughs> you can recap the next, the, the last two years and what podcast, what investigators, what armchair sleuths have done and what exactly has had. Let me give you a quick, um, a quick preview of, of what a kind of a peek into the window of what the last 2020 and COVID and the presidencies and all these elections are all going on while simultaneously there are people like me and Chris that are out there that are just armchair sleuths. And now we're actually in the field sleuths, boots on the ground sleuths, but trying to figure out what happened to people. So yes, I'm sorry. This is a little bit about us, but it's also a lot about what other people are doing. In the last two years, we've solved the golden state killer. In the last two years, we found out who the Zodiac killer was. In the last two years, we found out one of the biggest bank heists of all time, $215,000, which would be roughly about $7 million today. We found out who did it and where he was living. And it turns out he just went off the grid, moved to Boston, hmm. and he died. And so the U.S. Marshal, but that U.S. Marshal's son never stopped his father's research because of that continuing research into finding and, 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 and making the impossible. And I said this recently in an interview I did. I do believe everything can be solved, but it takes a couple things. It takes tenacity and it takes patience and it takes um, a lot of sacrifice. I think those are the three key things. And a lot of times we run out of those things, right? We run out of patience, we run out of tenacity, um, and we run out of money. And we run out of like, and this is not a segue into like donating to our Patreon, but it is, there is a link in this show. (laughs) (laughs) But but, like everything that we have done, um, once again, it is on not only the production team of Shift Films, which we had to delay our films. So we have no money coming in for our films. But at the same time, like, this is how important it is that and in, that this podcast, although we have not solved um, where the boys are, we have opened up this gateway for MoDOT to be like, 
oh my God, what if there is infrastructure problems? What mm-hmm. if we have, there's houses where you guys are above you. You know, all these things are leading to this one thing. And that's what happens when, you know, two guys, you know, play on a microphone <laughs> and, you know, try to solve something. What happens is, is that because of the three boys, because of Craig Dow, because of the two Hogue boys, right? Um, Billy and Joey, these things are happening. Yeah. And it's improving the area around, you know, where all this kind of came to, to fruition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of crazy that a small podcast can do that. But that is what this whole thing has been about. It's been about discovering, because how many people, I think we've always been 50-50 on our polls, 60-40 maybe. You know, Tommy Terrence Hill is a weird character, Chris. He's a weird character. Still is. He still is. And he's still a person of interest. Is he 80 percentile? No. He, he's under 30% that he's involved in this case. Um, at the same time, you know, house cleaning issues when it relates to the true crime path, you know, we never ruled this out. And you were saying it earlier today when we met was that we started this was like, we're on the hunt. This is mm-hmm. this is a true crime. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, once again, <laughs> here's the B side yep. with the hit and the yep. A side's supposed to have the hit, right? So, <laughs> so we're, 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 we're right there. Um, and we're on the forefront and we're working with scientists and geologists and forensic anthropologists. And I never thought in a million, in a million years that that would lead to this, um, all while doing this out of our basements and out of our houses. Well, and it's, it's also created more opportunities for us. And I, again, I want to give a thanks first and foremost to MoDOT. They've been so amazing mm-hmm. and so cooperative. And it's so, I mean, we just, we felt like what we did in contacting them was the right thing to do from a safety and um, a moral standpoint, but they have taken it as, as much more and they've made it to where they've made us two lonely podcasters sitting yeah. behind a mic it part of this process and, and in fact there was a joke and I'll, I'll go ahead and do it one of them was told me about the re when they finally got it capped they did it after the fact and he called me he apologized to me because i wasn't aware that they were actually doing it i'm like no dude don't yeah. worry about it yeah. all i care about is making sure that nobody was going to get hurt i mean that's but it's so great to have that opportunity for them to have us be a part of it. And then the second part of that is it's opened up so many paths for us now because I nobody knows this except for just a few people. One day I get a phone call from the district engineer at uh, and now Hannibal. You people. And now you. <laughs> well, I get a phone call from the district engineer and he says, hey, you got, got a second? Can you swing by up here sometime and, and stop by? I got some stuff for you. I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. So I get up there and he's like, I, I've heard that you've been looking for these. So I finally went digging and I got them. It was all the architectural plans for Highway 79 in 1967. <laughs> I went, holy cow. Yeah. Uh, so I have all the architectural plans now. So I know exactly how much they were cutting out of certain areas, how much yeah. they were adding fill into certain areas. And that opened up new paths of like, you know, one of, and I'll, this, let's go to the next part, the last part of this real quick, sure. Frankie, is that this created into phases. Uh, we, I've turned this into a three-phase approach. Our first phase is finishing up these Lost Boys cave mapping. Once we get that done, our second phase is actually switching over to look at the whole structure of Lover's Leap. We're gonna look at it from the top to bottom because there's some amazing technology available out there that hopefully within the next year, Frankie, we're gonna have a complete 360 model of what Lover's Leap looks like. 
And not only just saying what the surface looks like, I'm saying we're going to have a whole, we're going to see where the cave passages are at. We're going to see where they're at located exactly. Um, this technology is going to be available to us. And we've already been in the works with places like the Missouri Geological Survey and the MU at Rolla. These guys are already willing and wanting to work with us in trying to make this stuff happen. Uh, so we're super excited about that. So that's phase two is taking a look at Lover's Leap. And then talking about these architectural plans, we go into phase three. We've talked about this before, and I think we've talked about it just recently on the podcast, is like, what if the construction company did accidentally bury them, mm-hmm. and they realized that they buried them? And we know that from the time that they were last seen to when the rescue squads actually get up to the Lover's Leap cutout is about two and a half to three hours of time between when they were last seen and when they finally get up there to start searching for them. Is it possible that they did get killed by the construction company? The construction company goes, oh, crap, we got we to gotta do something. Uh, they got this huge lawsuit as we talked about in season two going yeah, remember, on. Remember this. This is a company that's ailing on yeah. a lot of lawsuits. A lot of, a lot of things that are happening on their sites isn't happening everywhere else. Yeah. So go back to those episodes, re-listen. Yeah. And th- th- once again, we're not saying this is what happened. This is speculative. It's always a, it's a pathway. It's a pathway. Yeah. And it's a true crime path. Yeah. So it keeps me purposeful and, <laughs> and relevant. <laughs> so, so we got to thinking about, well, where would they put all this access or excessive uh, rock at, uh, you know, because they had to cut out areas. And we got to thinking like, well, wouldn't the most logical explanation be is if, if you had to dispose of them quickly, you put them in a place where they're already disposing stuff at and you can bury them properly. So we got to talk with MoDOT about this. And I first of all thought maybe the riverfront, well, the riverfront was already that way as it was. But when we got the architectural plans, literally one of the pages shows this is your dump area for your excessive rocks. Yes. So now we have an X marks the spot of where they were dumping the rocks at. Ironically, it is a public owned property. <laughs> yep. Ironically for the first time. Yeah. It's not private property. Um, and we're not giving away that location. We have um, talked to our forensic anthropologist team. We have talked to cadaver team. The thing about this is that it's not solid. They can mm-hmm. smell right up. Remember that a cadaver dog, although not always 100% effective, they're more used as tools. So just because they're hitting on something doesn't mean it's them. But at the same time, it gives us at least an introspective into where we should dig. And the digging would, would take it would take a lot. There's not only a lot of work because you're going, you're not going through, you're not going through soil. You're going through rock. Yeah. Uh, so most likely, again, I'll give a shout out to a, a cave in Missouri uh, to to <laughs> our Curse of Oak Island friends because uh, that we have some ideas. There's probably going to be more of we wouldn't do digging necessarily as much as drilling at that mm-hmm. point in time, which makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but again, this is that's getting into stuff that's going to cost us money. Uh, it yeah. costs us a decent amount of money. So um, you know that's something we'll have to deal with when that time comes. But uh, it, the great thing about this is you thought that. Well, let me step back. You, we have been kind of dragging our feet. It felt like we've been dragging our feet, but luckily I feel so like a burden's been lifted off my chest, Frankie, because yes. now we get to tell you this is everything that's going on. Now right. you're up to date. <laughs> Chris, they've waited eight weeks for yeah. us to talk about each other. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to disappoint them, but I do want to point out the fact that I know that's petty, but I love it. It's just part of my humor. And once you get to know me, I'm very sarcastic like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, it, it, it's just funny to me. It really makes me laugh. But 
I do want to point out the fact that you and Julie Angel were discussing that. I think Julie Angel had mentioned up this dump pile, and we were actually at the cement company. I do want to give her credit for that because great minds think alike. And it's something that probably a thousand people in the audience that have listened is like, well, why would they wouldn't leave them there, you know? Yeah. And like, what was that? What was the blood or the red liquid in the hole? And mm-hmm. and we've talked to guys that have used uh, Taranite. I've talked to my buddies who use explosions all the time. And it's like, it doesn't do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I've never seen that. Um, so there, there are many ways around it. But yes, I don't want to put too many eggs in one basket. There is technology that is available to us that 1967 didn't have. You know, it is tragic. Um, I, we did get a question recently to like is it is it libel um uh, that we say like a, a speculative avenue of a true crime it's not because we're not we're not saying we're not saying that tobin was was responsible for this what we're saying is tobin hired contractors tobin had a lot of things going on at that time it's a play but until we actually have evidence or proof, no, we're not going to say that that's who did it. We're not saying that. But they're definitely in any type of young detective series or or any kind of investigation. They are they are a person of interest. They mm-hmm. are a company of interest. Um, the mother, the, the Hogue mom, Denise's mom, believed this. Yeah. And there's something about a mother's intuition. We we can't negate that. And so those things go hand in hand. Um, one of the other thing, cool things that you were talking a little bit about that, that we might like breeze upon because it's not really, it doesn't have a lot of backing yet, but there are ways of testing atmospheres mm-hmm. of decomp. And we, we, we have a, we have a point to source. So somebody has pointed to someone that, that studies this and you know, it, nothing in science in the beginning is respected. Mm-hmm. It's not, it has to really go through rigorous um, theory processes. Uh, we just can't release theories on people like their truth. Um, if anybody's watching the news right now, you, that's what happens. You can't, because science over time, um, and I think um, Negrassi, Tyson, right? Neil, Neil Tyson talks a lot about this. And he talks about it on a Joe Rogan show recently. Um, and it was so, I would love people to listen to that three-hour podcast because he talks about it. He talks about how critical and how vigorous a scientist come at each other hmm. in a beautiful format that's not personal, but it's very critical of the work that they're doing. It takes a lot for these things to actually have meaning. Hmm. That's why the paranormal remains paranormal investigation. Yeah. There's not enough evidence to suggest that any of it's true. There's not enough you know, evidence to suggest that it's not true, but at yeah. the same time, there's no hard line. And so, yes, can you test the atmosphere um, for decomposition in a cave system, which is a great question that um, I think you reached out to mm-hmm. Jesse, one of our anthropologists, you know, on the yep. team there, and she actually answered and gave you a good response. But at the same time, was very cautious in saying, "Hey, this it's is not new, proven. It's not proven. Yeah, there's new sciences. Um, you know, we get a lot of flack from the, the cadaver dogs. Um, and I'm just kind of doing some house cleaning here as we kind of wrap the yeah. show up, unless you had something else. But you know, yes, we did use Jan, the same person that was in. Relentless. Jan is an expert. Jan is a professional. Jan runs a private um, nonprofit. Uh, nonprofit. Okay. And she has some of the best dogs. But even Jan herself will tell them not all dogs are fresh when they go out. Yeah. So she retests areas numerous times, brings other dogs out into areas. In the case of Relentless, she had nothing to do. The way that was edited made Jan look like she was part of them digging without the police. Hmm. And that's not true. 
So I want to just, Jan can't say that publicly, but we can. What happened in that show and, and, and who we use did not happen that way. Jan has always, and the first thing she asked us, and the reason why we could go to the cement company in the first place was because of Brad Stinson, who, Stinson, who was the sheriff. Yeah. So we had to go to um, Brad first with Jan, and now Brad had a great resource. So it was kind of cool. In the beginning, it was rough. It was a rough meeting, and that's all in the documentary. He's like, I don't know, I don't know if we're ever going to get on here. But the one thing about that is stay tenacious, stay you know, stay true to the game. And here's the thing. If you speak truth, right, and you, you're not in it for malicious ways, you're not in it to make a dime, you put you're in it for the truth, there's going to be pathways that open up. And I just truly believe that something is going to open up over the next year here for not only the audience, but for every spectator there is. And you know, the first thing that we're trying to do is really champion that the Hogue family is very much a part of this. And I would love and I'm putting this out there in the airwaves now because I have a feeling that Dowels are listening. We would love yeah. them to be a part of this too. Absolutely. We would love you guys to be partaking in all of this and partaking in the approvals and and listening to the podcast and, and see where we got things wrong in 67 and help us. Give us that feedback. So I'm putting that out there too. I think Denise and Candice have expressed that as well about you know having remaining Dowels involved in possibly finding one of their kin. Um, so I, I, you know, I just want to stress the importance of this doesn't happen. Like Chris is like, you know, yeah, we're dragging our feet, but at the same time, you know, if we release something that MoDOT doesn't know about, they get a hundred press conferences, you're going to get news channels there. And we probably are going to do a press conference at some point or something about this. Um, and you know, they've already <laughs> mentioned that we'd be involved in that. So I can't stress the importance enough of once again, if you have something, go to the proper authorities, there is this terrible, ideology that people are here for treasure hunting mm -hmm. and they're going to steal the glory. There is no glory. It, it, we're all after the same thing. With MoDOT, they get to not only fix infrastructure, but help possibly solve a cold case that happened in 1967 mm -hmm. while simultaneously putting things out there for future generations to be safe when they travel on their roads. So it, it I don't know what that's about, and I'm glad that maybe it's because, Chris, we are one of the only podcasts that do this, right? I mean, we're not True yeah. Crime Garage that tells you a story. And then, hey, next week we're talking about, you know, yeah, such Ted Bundy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're like this, um, you know, podcast that's it's constantly episodic and we don't know where we're going next. But yeah. we actually do know. Where yeah, we're going we next, do. Chris. We do have we the, again with what we've revealed to you this episode. We it's given us a very clear path and given us direction on what we're going to be able to give you the rest of the season. So we're going to be talking with a couple of uh, Modot employees coming up in our next episode uh, and get more details on what they did, what they know, uh, and kind of moving forward. And one of those, uh, his name's Chris. Is he's probably one of our biggest fans. So I'll give him a shout out right now because I'm getting constant phone calls from him, which I love because he's so in in tuned with what's going on. And then we're going to be talking uh, a little bit more about, again, we talked about resistivity. We talked about things like that. We're going to talk about the technology and how we're going to use uh, current technology to help maybe get a little farther than what they did in 67. And then we got some big reveals coming up towards the end of the season as well. Fingers crossed. Yes. Yes. We have, we have, we have a lot in store um, for the audience. And so, I mean, leaving right off there, Chris, um, 
Do you have any closing remarks? Are you cliffhanging this episode? Oh, see, I think I just ruined your cliffhanger. So I apologize. <laughs> I just thought about that as I was saying it, which that's that's the key right there. I mean, you're you're a savant when it comes to closing <laughs> closing episodes. Uh, no, just I gotta once again, I can't thank enough to Modot for uh, being so supportive and, and being a really truly a partner. I didn't wasn't expecting when we went first to talk to them. I was kind of wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen, but I was going to be okay if it was going to be we we're going to get shut out. But that is not the case at all. Uh, that's been a beautiful partnership. I, I, I can't believe how many times I get Modot phone calls now. <laughs> it's like so it's cool. Great. I mean, at it's one great. point, you're like, you don't, you would never understand. I'm on a Zoom call with like really important yeah. people. And I'm like, what, I'm what just, am I doing here? I doing? I'm just a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, so I, but thanks to Modot uh, for them and their support. And, and I'm so great that we have this partnership and can't thank them enough. And of course, thanks to Mark and Julie for being involved as well. And, and the property owner that uh, we mentioned before, we're not going to mention names, but uh, we want to thank him as well. Yeah, uh, thank so, him and his family. Yep. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I hope that we all, I hope everybody recognizes like why we did what we did in the stages. We, because it is, it's hard to make those calls, mm-hmm. you know, because we can't promise anything to anyone without law, without state agencies. Like we can't, we have no jurisdiction. We nope. have no power in that. Like, but we just always want to make sure that we do things because, you know, we not only think of the family that those are involved, but like everybody's going to get the credit that they deserve. Like no one's going to be left out in this. It's not, the, the boys remain dead. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be, let's face that. Okay. We're not going to find, you know, these three boys and their jovial selves. We're not. It's 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 closure, but you still have the pain and the agony, um, the survivor guilt. You you're still gonna ha- you're still gonna have that. Um, it's what Denise said the first time we interviewed her on there. What does she want out of this? It doesn't matter if it's John Wingate or the cement company or the caves. It's they have a place next to their parents in the graveyard. And that's what we're striving for. We're striving for that type of closure. And so, you know, with that, I want you guys to remember that, you know, it's it's every step at finding something and trying to create this idea that this is going to bring all this love and happiness. When at the end of the day, the result's the same. We just know what happened, right? And that's the most important thing. So keep listening. Um, and then I have a little fun giveaway. We have one uh, one kilo black rifle coffee. It's not mine, is it? No, I have yours. Okay. I was going to give away two, <laughs> but now I'm giving away one. And if you guys want coffee, you can have it with Keep Chris. asking. I will give away two. You know? yeah. But I have them coming in um, as of right now. If you, guys would, if you guys are coffee drinkers, here's what I want from you. The first six episodes of season one, which Corbin loves so much, I want you to tell me what were the songs who sang them, and what album was on them. Oh. Just the first six episodes, and I'm going to send out to you some Freedom Fuel. It's actually go. the name of the coffee. <laughs> um, and if you, you know, they are a veteran-owned company, so yes, they lean a little bit, but, you know, they like the work we're doing. We love the coffee they brew. So at the same time, I want to give out a shout-out to them and just uh, send you guys some. They uh, also help us out with another podcast, but, you know, we have these kilos of coffee. We want to give them out. It's the best coffee you'll ever drink, hands down. Two of my favorite coffees are Death Wish and Black Rifle, and so I'd like to give that out to you. So once again, episode season one, the first six episodes, tell me the name of the song, the singer, and the album it was on. And from all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, I'm Frankie. And I'm Chris. We will be seeing you sooner than before. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We're giggling. And let me sleep 
Darkness, darkness. 